What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Talk Recorded live. Welcome, everybody, back to our latest episode of Reiki and Vets. And I'm Kathleen Prasad, president of Shelter Animal Reiki Association. I'm here with Leah D'Ambrosio, the vice president of SARA. And our guest today is Dr. Patricia Jordan. And I met Dr. Jordan many years ago when she took Reiki classes um, with me and animal Reiki classes when I was first beginning to teach. And actually, I believe, Dr. Jordan, that Dakota was one of your teachers, my dog, <laughs> at that time. And so, yeah, so that's kind of really special to remember um, that, that Dakota was, was part of your Reiki journey as well. Um, but anyway, you are have been a veterinarian for many years and um, have so much experience uh, in all different modalities, holistic modalities. And I'd love, um, I think it's so awesome that Reiki is a part of what you do. But I'd love maybe to, to begin um, by telling us just a little bit about yourself and your journey and how you kind of got to this point um, as a holistic vet who also practices Reiki and, um, you know, people I think will be very inspired to hear your story. Okay. Well, there's no such thing as a short bio for me, and I have been practicing (laughs) for 34 years, and um, I have a website at uh, www.dr-jordan.com that has a CD that's 40 pages long that um, I haven't even kept current since about 2009. So um, I just, you know, I just, I'm always a constant learner and just suffice it to say that when I went natural, I went big. (laughs) Figuring out that (laughs) physics and energy manipulation was the source of our existence. And then I embraced as many of the healing modalities um, in energetics that I possibly could and I continue to this very day. So um, I just would probably leave it at that. And if they wanted to peruse the CV, they're welcome to it because there was hardly a rock I've left unturned. (laughs) (laughs) Well, can you tell us a little bit about, like, what was your first experience with holistic or alternative healing and and how did that affect you? Well, um, as far as my practice practice, luckily early on I was anchoring my practice in nutrition. So coming from, you know, the um, conventional form, at least I had that. <laughs> so that was a foundation of health, and I um, I think it keeps most of the problems at bay. But from the start, my very first experiences with healing had to do with the energetics that I employed as a child, uh, nursing orphaned and injured wildlife. I was very, very, very much the neighborhood nurse for any wounded animals and also just I don't know, I seem to have a heat-seeking missile for, for animals that need help. And um, when, you, when you're sick and you have nothing to work with but your hands <laughs> and your heart and prayer, 
uh, your intention, you learn very early that healing can come from the very heart who asks for it for the benefit of the patient. And coming from a place of only wanting to help is probably the most solid origin I can say that, that I had in, in all of my healing uh, settings. And even when I found my way to Reiki, I knew when I met you, Kathleen, you were the real deal. And it just um, it just resonated so right that I said, okay. And um, besides Dakota being a part of my um, path, so was Bright Haven, because that's where uh, I took uh, Reiki 1. And then um, you were so um, generous to allow me to do Reiki 2 um, in your hometown so that I could you know, because I was from the other side of the, the country over there on the East Coast. And it proved to be very important <laughs> that you actually um, allowed me to do that because of the um, the very first case that I ended up having. <laughs> Wonderful. Maybe you could tell, share about what, what happened with that. Uh, sure, I will. And that's what um, the case, the, I think it's question four or whatever, uh, that you gave me um, on my cases. So do you want me to go there first or? Um... Sure, yeah, let's go. Let's go okay. right into that, that and then we'll come back yeah. around. Yeah, I think that's probably really, really, really important. Um, there's one case in particular. I mean, I've got lots of cases that stand out about when Reiki was employed, you know, to help. But the very first case that I, uh, after I left your place, um, and I also had, just left my third installment training at Healing Oasis for spinal manipulation or um, what we call, you know, veterinary chiropractic. But ribs, he was just such an amazing case. Um, and what I used in that case was, uh, or I should say employed, I hate the word used, <laughs> uh, was Reiki, uh, craniosacral, and then also the, the spinal manipulation information. But... Um, after, you know, I just had left your place, I went down to have a chance to work with the RAVS, which is the Remote Area Veterinary Services. It's uh, serving underserved populations in um, the United States. And this one was in White River, the Apache Reservation in Arizona. But there was a pit bull, and he was so severely emaciated that that's why his, his nickname was Ribs. And he was in terrible shape because they had used him as a bait dog in pit bull fighting ring. And they had, um, he was full of tubes. He had drains all coming out the sides. And he was on constant IVs, antibiotics, and painkillers. But the look on his face was one that I'll never forget. It was like he had lost his soul. And it's like he had no life fire and no desire to live. And he was a rescue from their service position that they previously had before this um, uh, reservation that they were on, and uh, no one had claimed them, and so they were just, you know, caring for him, doing the best they could, and the veterinarian in charge showed me his x-rays, and he clearly had an identifiable, it's probably the worst horror that any um, chiropractic student could run into, which was an atlanto-occipital subluxation there at the very top of his head. This is one of the worst types of injuries. It was like um, if the only thing worse would be an internal uh, decapitation because of a full dislocation. But anyway, um, they had used this poor dog to be a practice victim in the fights, and so that's why he was he was like held and then you know he was, you know torn at. And anyway, he was um, also 
this is a very fearful, or should say fearful, attempt to even fix this. And I was like so green, <laughs> and I was green in everything because I was still green in Reiki as well. And even well-trained chiropractors um, can actually end up entrapping an artery in this area. And um, and then it's actually been the way that, you know, some people have died. But anyway, to make matters worse, the BIC or veterinarian in charge told me that when um, he said, I want to let you know that he, I don't have to worry about, you know, what happens to him um, because he doesn't have an owner. And I was like, oh, I didn't have the training, you know, I felt like to handle the case. And he said, that's okay because if he doesn't make it, it's okay. Well, I was horrified by that statement. But anyway, um, I went over there to visit, visit him in his cage, and the, and the cage door was open because he wasn't going anywhere. He was, stand, he was like um, laying there with um, the tubes came out. And he was so sad looking. Like I said, he just looked like he had any hope or joy. I proceeded to engage with what was left with his spirit, and I asked permission to treat, like you know, we're told to, and then with Reiki, and I also used craniosacral. Um, I laid hands on him and over those areas that were so damaged, but without ever really coming close enough to, to even do a manipulation. And instead, I used my lessons in prayer and intention and called on Reiki, and I also, you know, visualized with craniosacral. But surprisingly, he allowed me to engage for 45 minutes, and I did a slow and steady intentional service, you know, for his highest good, for his healing, and also for the retrieval of his soul, for forgiveness to what had happened to him, my heart was truly pumping out endorphins for him. You know, I could just feel it. Um, he didn't really show me any change except the one that we are so grateful for, which he fell asleep. And he fell into a really, really deep sleep. And uh, for the first time, he actually appeared to like rest. When I was done, um, I thanked the universe. I, I thanked everyone whose prayers and intention for this dog had been positive. I collected every positive, unclaimed prayer for his highest good. And the next morning, it was so phenomenal because I came in. I was really uh, worried about him, like even that night, because he just didn't look like he had any will to live. But the next morning, I saw, I saw him pass where cages were. He was standing up, and he was wagging his tail. He was looking very bright-eyed, and once again, he looked like he had his life fire there. I went to him, and he actually shoved his head into my overturned hands. Even before I was able to ask him for permission or utter even, you know, amazement, um, you can't really order up a healing like that. And it was just amazing to me that everything in this dog had shifted. It was a 360 turnaround. I was happy to engage him for another session. And it was much shorter and it was stronger and from a different kind of direction. I felt like he was a participant actively in that energy. And I left him to go do my direct surgeons, uh, my student surgeons that day. I was the only woman veterinarian that was leading up a surgery team for doing the spays and neuters for these um, animals on this reservation. But anyway, um, at lunchtime, I had a little break, and I went to where, to where Ribs had been, and I didn't even see him there. And the veterinarian in charge told me, he goes, hey, I have good news. Someone's willing to give Ribs a home. They had come forth, and he now has a caretaker. The drains have all been taken out. He was doing fantastic, and he was even slated to go home the next day. And I was like, you know, this is as close to a miracle as you ever, ever see. Um, what Reiki had done for this patient, everything, even to the point of helping the dog. Um, 
I, I feel like that part of it was also him getting a home and, and getting a place to go. It reignited his light fire. Um, I feel like it corrected his um, near decapitation. And uh, we had x-rays, you know, to show that that definitely had been his problem. And everything was, was better, even his heart. And you just can't accomplish this type of healing with um, anything, I don't think, uh, other than, than Reiki. I also um, had shared this uh, case when I got back to my next session at Healing Oasis, and I was actually afraid to. I was like the last one that chimed in with what's new since last time we saw you. And I told him, I said, I did not do uh, physical manipulation on that dog's um, head, but apparently between the cranial sacral visualization and, and running Reiki, that it actually happened, and after this long pause, they admitted to me that they'd heard other stories, that it is definitely possible. But looking at the purpose for ribs having made a good um, uh, response, it's just, you know, showing me how strong the spirit of Reiki fire is, because this story alone has been um, available on the um, American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association's um, newsletter, and it's one that I'm sure that a lot of people have run into and maybe has made a difference for people understanding what, uh, you know, Reiki is, and, and it's just to me amazing. There is absolutely nothing that is going to hold a match to the um, ability to heal that, that Reiki has. Wow, that's such a beautiful story, very inspiring. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Can I ask a, can I ask a question really fast, Dr. Jordan? So how did everyone else around you react to that to ribs recovery? Like what was the general response? Did people support Reiki during that time? Or I, I'm just really curious as to if people even acknowledged that it could have been Reiki that created this well, amazing recovery. Yeah, they didn't know because when I talked to the veterinarian in charge specifically, he was very interested in the fact that I'd been training at Healing Oasis and had chiropractic, you know, so spinal manipulation. They didn't know anything about um, Reiki, and I didn't really remember even sharing that. Um, and I, as an early practitioner, you know, will certainly not feel like I could lead a class in, in, in teaching it. I was still learning myself. But um, as oftentimes, you know, they all saw, they're all very busy in this project that we had going, and I guess maybe nobody except for me understood where the shift had come from because um, the energy shift that happened just within that dog alone. And you could tell because he made the choice the next morning to, like, run up underneath my hand. So he understood where the, where the healing had come from. So um, <laughs> I can't say that this was a great teaching moment for <laughs> the entire group. They were calling me Dr. Good Drugs because – I am also an herbalist, and I was running um, whole food nutrition to everybody, and even <laughs> than me. But anyway, the, so the subject of Reiki wasn't, ex, um, you know, really breached during that time. But I knew where it came from. Exactly. Right. And, yeah. The other people were mainly really worried, or really just glad that the dog was doing so much better. I don't think anybody really was there to to witness how much of a miracle it was. So. Um, yeah. That, Veterinarian in charge, you know, I didn't even go over with him that 
uh, I mean, he saw me go over there and work on them, but he didn't, like, make the connection that, um, oh, I did a chiropractic adjustment, and it was all better, just like that. Wow. That's the experience of a lot of practitioners, I think, that work in shelters and other situations is that they see and the animals understand, but there may not be a wider understanding of what has happened. And that's yeah. okay, because the animals, yeah. we're there for the animals anyway, right? Right. right. And the important one is the one that benefited. And uh, so, and that was my first case. I mean, I have other cases in, uh, that I had was involved with that surely the other veterinarians in the area not only knew exactly what it was that I was doing, but even one of them, you know, used to make jokes never to do it on him because it was a, a case where I felt like it um, it needed, the, the patient was, should not have been, oh, this was a goat, this other patient that had been hit by an 18-wheeler and it had been brought into the hospital, and I feel like wrongly um, kept alive, and uh, it was generating revenue for the person who had, you know, uh, brought it in. But anyway, um, I was very concerned because I saw the X-rays. There was a huge defect between the spinal cord where it had snapped, and, the, and I believe this animal was not going to make a recovery. And I, I thought it was in pain, and I thought it was absolutely cruel that he was um, even, you know, being kept. And the owner came in, and uh, I took her back there to, to visit him, and she she looked right at me, and she was really concerned and upset. And she said, you know, this doesn't look good. I don't think he's going to make it. And I knew that he wasn't going to make it either, and so I asked her for permission to do Reiki, and as I laid hands on him, and as I did the Reiki, uh, and he was in such a mm, uh, painful and terrorized state that I can't say that um, permission was granted or there was any kind of other than panic. And, uh, you know, that goat passed almost immediately as soon as I had put hands down and went through the, the beginning um, of the uh, the way that I do it, the way I was taught with Kathleen. And I really feel like it went so fast that, that it was just exactly what the goat needed. So I think maybe, Kathleen, if you'll remember, there was um, maybe a year or two later, there was a telephone uh, conference that you had with other Reiki members. And we, you know, we discussed the fact that sometimes the highest good means that they um, they they quickly pass, and um, so anyway, the uh, that was the second case that I had done at the hospital. The first one uh, was a little um, Bichon puppy, and that puppy was so drawn to me for some reason. But he came in with a collapsed lung, and we have X-rays to prove that. And because that puppy was so, it, he just wouldn't stop staring at me. And even while I was in the hospital, having to multitask with other patients, um, I had that connection with him, and I ran Reiki, and I did all of the exact same things that I would do if I was solely on that patient without the other distractions of all these other patients that I had to work with. But anyway, his lung reinflated, and we have post um, x-rays to prove that as well. And 
that little case became um, one that was in the um, uh, Academy, uh, I mean, not Academy, the Association of Holistic Veterinary Medical Association. And I think maybe also it might have been in one of your um, online newsletters that she had, Kathleen. But that that was another case. And so that hospital, they they knew. And most of those veterinarians were from South America, so I feel like they already had an understanding that, yes, this kind of um, uh, energy work could definitely, you know, work. But they were uh, conventional to the bone, and, you know, they were just like – that you can do the Reiki, you know, um, but they weren't, you know, they didn't understand like how to charge for it or whatever. So it became my goal to try to at least um, open their eyes to the possibility that, hey, you could actually lay a foundation for your practice with this. Um, that never went over there at that practice, but I certainly have incorporated it in mind. That's amazing. Such awesome stories. And the fact that you're able to, to have these x-rays and things to show, I mean, that's so special because that often is not the case. So that right. really is awesome. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your practice and the modalities that, that you offer and, and sort of how you um, incorporate Reiki in your practice? Sure. I probably have more um, holistic modalities or energy um, modalities than any other practitioner in the United States and possibly the world. The list is very extensive. My major study was with traditional Chinese veterinary medicine. And I was one of the first practitioners here in the United States. I use acupuncture, herbal medicine, food therapy. Uh, Twina Amo is a type of soft tissue manipulation. I do uh, pulse diagnosis work with Ari Thornton from Norway and have also incorporated spinal manipulation from Healing Oasis, cranial sacral and dowsing and subtle energy work. Um, I learned both of those from third generation Scottish energy workers. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but uh, there's a lot of energy workers that come from Scotland. My homeopathy, I studied under Dr. Richard Pitcairn and um, some others, but I also learned quantum touch emotional freedom technique, did a little bit with vortex healing, I certified in NAET, I do prolotherapy, all manners of herbal medicine, Western, Chinese, Ayurvedic, and I consider myself a planetary herbalist. I study herbs used throughout the world, even shamanic, and um, our teacher herbs. Currently, I'm fascinated by the information from um, healers that in teaching plant ceremonies that our plant allies can manifest the medicine that we need, even if the plant we are working with is not the one that has possession of the exact constituents that we need. So, I mean, I've really opened up my eyes to the many things that this world, you know, encompasses. I've also delved into and become certified in crystal and stone medicine, um, which I think actually is a very um, good partnership with Reiki. Um, this uh, stones were actually at the beginning of, of the Materia Medica for the ancient Chinese books. I'm learning the um, jade purity line of Taoist priest um, position on stone medicine and that it's actually uh, necessary at this time on earth for really deep, deep healing and even of our DNA. So um, a lot, and I'm currently wanting to put three books that I'm working on into the finished state instead of the forever uh, running into the jump drive state. 
but I have 30 years of naturopathic medicine recipes on um, the burner. That title, that book, will be Back to the Garden. I also have an NR, a natural rearing template for our animals that mirrors natural living uh, rearing that we need to employ for ourselves, and that will be called Natural Healthy Living. And then also a 911 emergency first aid disaster and acute uh, remedy book for homeopathy, and it seems to be what we need in the near future here. That's what my clients have said. Can you move that up to the first book you finish? But, yeah, there's just a whole lot of modalities. And as far as Reiki, I always underpin my life and the foundation for my practice and how I, I would say, even try to, you know, face the world each day um, with the... um, the principles that I've learned that are important to Reiki and following um, the ethics and the uh, precepts and um, that I learned from Kathleen. And then I had the opportunity to study with her um, mentor, with Franz, when he came to Chattanooga, Tennessee, and um, went, uh, you know, a few more steps. So I feel like as far as um, every time, every minute of every day, <laughs> I try to incorporate, you know, what I've learned uh, for the benefits of, um, you know, universal healing for the highest good in every way possible. That's so beautiful. And I know that you are also um, one of the world's experts in um, vaccinosis. Do you call it vaccinosis, I guess? Yes. Uh, Vaccine damage. Vaccine damage, yes, and uh, you've written a book about that as well. Yes, and it's not only about <clears throat> the damage to us from in to the animals, but also to us as humans. And um, that book, I really feel like was channeled uh, at the time. I had just covered 700 cases in three months of direct, um, you know, vaccine-induced disease. I was telling my colleague who I'm uh, going back into a physical practice with here in the mountains of North Carolina that another one of my colleagues had uh, sent me a 35-page um, uh, paper from Dr. Andre Sane that's on the vaccine damage, and it is just more and more uh, definitive evidence of what I had written and others have written before me because, believe me, they, there are people that have started to recognize. And I guess what I would like to say about this is um, I mean, I've always been interested in nutrition and understanding that food is information to the body. I had no idea going through veterinary school that the, the vaccinations are uh, critical nutrient depleting and this was vitamin C as an example. And then so are the drugs. As a matter of fact, all the drugs that we use will deplete the body in at least one critical nutrient. And um, the adverse effects that you see from both of these, uh, whether you're talking about biologicals, which are vaccines or drugs, have to do with critical nutrient um, problems that they're making. So now that I'm learning a little bit more about energy and understanding that like biophotons are in raw foods, biophotons are in intention, biophotons are in prayer, they're in intelligence, that I feel like I've finally started to see the connection on source or that um, tiniest um, 
uh, light particle that actually is energy. And this is how I'm trying to understand now how to fix what we've damaged. It's, um, it's an energetic uh, thing that we have to do. Now, I'll just like to say this about Reiki in particular, because one of my colleagues believes that you can still vaccinate, but just do Reiki and it won't matter, you know, it won't happen to uh, cause any problems. And I said, that's absolutely not true, because if you sit back and you understand that our message right now today, if we can't see what's happening right in front of our faces with the damage to the children and to adults and animals and anything that gets vaccinated. I found the vaccine damage doesn't matter. It's not just mammals, the fish, the birds. Everything that's getting vaccinated is getting damaged. And I think the message is very clear to us is that we have to stop that because that's actually causing genetic damage. And the um, highest good isn't to pretend that this isn't our lesson to learn. <laughs> I guess, does that make any sense? Yes. hmm and you brought up something interesting because you talked a little bit about, you know, also the people. And I think I've, I've heard you talk, talk to me before about how animals and people mirror each other's diseases. Like when an animal comes to you with a specific disease and then the person also can manifest or maybe even has that exact same disease. And I know that you've seen that quite a bit. And can you talk a little bit about that and um, how you might handle that in the context of, of Reiki? Like, do you ever include people in the Reiki session or do you talk to people about, you know, you know, their own healing or how, how does that work? Yeah, that can, that can be a real um, prickly uh, step because <laughs> some people don't believe you have any business. Uh, and I guess one of the things I have a, um, in a little ebook on my website that that has to do with um, emotions and um, how emotions are directed energy and even the CDC understands what the Chinese have known for 5,000 years that emotions are um, an underpinning of, of all the disease processes and I what I've come to learn is that the emotions are um, a type of directional energy and as far as our animals are concerned, I mean, there's other American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association members who also had come to the realization that not all, I mean, you could have somebody that just obtained a pet and it wouldn't be um, the same, but most of our patients that we've seen where the um, they've been in the, the caretaker's home for a good amount of their lives, somehow their ethereal health was being entrained to be the same as the uh, client. So, and a lot of time, and right now I can tell you what's happening, because <laughs> I was talking about that just this morning, is, um, and, and this is sort of exciting, because I, there was a, I can't remember her name, she's a woman MD doctor who was the speaker for the Emotional Freedom Technique, the Tapping Summit that just happened. She realized that if you are in, now this is a person, is in sympathetic overdrive, so you're very, very, very anxious, and you're in that fight or flight mode, that what happens to the body is that that removes the body from being in a healing mode. And then I, when I heard her say that, I said, that's it. That is how 
these animals are being affected by their owner's uh, sympathetic overdrive. So, I mean, I don't want anyone to feel guilty because it's, it's these things that happen with our emotions are instinct and have been set up to be automatic. So it takes really a lot, I think, of education and training and um, perception to see that you can step into that, you know, uh, that situation of where you're freaking out or you're ready to run or you're ready to fight and see the caution light and say, okay, I'm going to step away from this and I'm going to get myself out of that. And whether you do, uh, Kelly Brogan talks about this left nostril blocking. There's all sorts of different ways. That, and we need these things right now because what's happening is while we're in this mode where we cannot heal, it's also disabling our animals from being able to heal. And this directional force that exists because of this energy is, I mean, it can drive things you know, to cancer and straight into death. So that's how this is all working. And I was halfway excited to figure it out, but then also realizing that a lot more training had to be, to be going on to 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 try to help that situation for both the patient and the uh, client to, to redirect it. And so this is where I'm going to step aside. I think that still Reiki can incorporate intercessionary prayer because when you can't talk to somebody, they can't hear you because they are in this mode of fight or flight. Um, really, seriously, there's, there's, there's some things I know, like aromatherapy, you can actually get really fast response uh, with uh, with uh, sense. But um, there's a lot of times when we can witness what's happening and we can't do a darn thing about it except Reiki. <laughs> and then I've talked to some other friends of mine and practitioners and said, isn't it sad that we, we don't remember that this is the first thing we should be doing? The first thing we should be uh, in, employing is Reiki and prayer rather than you know, the last resort. But um, I know I think you could learn to become very powerful in that. But I have seen, and I've been there myself, so I know how absolutely scary and how unhearing you can be, how deaf you can be to the situation. And then it really becomes, you know, those Jedis who have um, embraced the power of the universal healing and what it can be. And learn to focus, you know, I call it the Gorb Collective, but in a good way. In Star Wars, they had those Gorbs that could, like, blow up planets with their heads. But what I think is really needed is for uh, really strong Jedis that know the Force is with them. And it is for the highest good. So however that comes out, um, like in the situation with the goat, the goat, until we come up with um, a way to, you know, like really... Um, be able to put two inches of sprung spinal cord back together. <laughs> we um, with that we need to accept that the highest good is sometimes you know uh, sometimes it's death and sometimes it's uh, learning a lesson that's going to benefit for the whole you know not just you and the patient and the client in the room but for for all of mankind actually. I think the planet's really um, speaking right now for needing that. Yes, absolutely. That's beautiful. Well, gosh, this has all been so, um, you're such a philosopher. 
Patricia. <laughs> I love that about you. And I'd love um, before we before we finish. Um, do you have any? You know, a lot of the people listening to this program are uh, Sarah members who work with um, you know shelter animals and um, also other animal Reiki practitioners. And one of the, the the bridges that we try to build is with the veterinary community. Um, do you have any advice? Um, with any of our members or with practitioners who might be listening about um, how to bridge that gap, how to get Reiki into a veterinary setting? Yeah, I think that um, as as a veterinarian myself, I would I would um, try to get the, the veterinarians to understand how important Reiki is as an underpinning or foundation for their entire practice. I personally would absolutely encourage all members of the animal health care team to learn Reiki. And, um, and, and it, it is hard because uh, in the conventional training world, they have no place that they're, I mean, they're, they're, they want more marketing and more uh, business management, but they, they're missing the boat completely. So I think the best thing to do is for those that um, can think outside the box and maybe hear this um, explanation of how Reiki has been so important to these three patients I had worked with and to realize that other people can help you into learning Reiki or at least be the presence in that practice um, until, you know, more and more can be, um, you know, embraced as part of the family. Um, They should live their lives with the foundation of Reiki and the processes they will be better citizens for our planet and they'll be more capable healers because I'll tell you what the the doctorate degree does not make you a healer not at all I've seen I think I've even talked to you about this most of the the healers that I know do not wear white coats and um, having the right heart is a necessary start and it's the best practice and it'll come from those that are mentored in this process this from the what I consider the right direction the right way when it comes from the heart. It's hard because when you graduate from veterinary school and you have all these bills and you've been just brainwashed into essentially being a salesman for biologicals and drugs and processed foods, all the things that I know, and you know, it didn't take me 10 years. I mean, I'm not a rocket scientist, but I saw if you did what they said, you could just about predict the damage that was going to come in the door in the next annual visit. So it really takes somebody with a strong constitution to be able to step up, get up, and walk out of church when it's not the right, uh, you know, sermon. And um, I think that Reiki is a place where they can actually extend their own heart desire to be doing the right thing and to be making it work, um, not only, you know, for themselves as a as a practice way of life, but for their patients, which is, shoot, that's the reason we're supposed to be in this, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for all of your stories, your amazing stories and and wisdom. And uh, those of you who are listening, um, dr-jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N.com, can visit um, Dr. Jordan's website for uh, a lot of articles and um, ebooks and blog and just a ton of information. Um, 
from her on so many different um, modalities. And I'm so excited that Reiki has been a part of your journey and that, you know, you've been a part of my journey. So uh, thank you so much, uh, Patricia, for being here with us. Um, thank you, you had a you had a remarkable journey yourself, and I was just thinking back from when I first tried to. I said, "Hey, I think uh, American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association, you should learn about Reiki. So why don't we have Kathleen come in and teach us?" And then I did the book review for your book, and I was like, after that, I mean, one person did come up to me to that um, conference and say, "Thank you so much," because I was wondering about that, and I was like. You know, it's the wonder that we want to cultivate. <laughs> so good for you because you've brought it so far and um, an amazing well, a lot, time. A lot of it, thanks to you in the beginning, really helping support me. Um, so I really appreciate that. Hmm. Well, like I said, as long as we have this as a foundation, <laughs> good things can happen. Yes, yes. All right, well, I'm going to um, – we'll sign off here so um, blessings to you and let me uh, just finish the recording here hold on lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.